0: Loose Parts is a podcast about a bunch of interesting things, all loosely related to a topic that changes every week. Welcome to the very first full episode of Loose Parts. I am your very excited host, Cat Hale. And in this episode, we're exploring color. You guys are in for a treat. There are so many things to talk about. Color in the world, color in our eyes, colors in our brains and our minds. Wild. We're also gonna have a poem. It relates to the topic at hand, I promise. And learn a bunch of cool cosmic stuff. All right, let's do this, woo. In June of this year, I read this really interesting article in The Guardian about this marketing team in Australia that had determined the ugliest color in the world, which they found out by surveying a thousand smokers to try and find the color that they thought was the ugliest so that they could make cigarette packaging out of it, which makes sense to make the packaging as discouraging as possible. And so these smokers chose this color, and if you're interested, it's Pantone 448C, Also known as opaque couche, which sounds a lot fancier than it looks. It's this sort of olive, drab, greenish brown, maybe on the browner side. Looks like something like a sticky, greenish mud kind of color, which when I saw it, I immediately went, Oh, I have seen parka's that color, and I think I have a pair of shoes that are that color. Uh, But when the smokers looked at it, they thought that it reminded them of tar and dirt and cancer and just gross things. Some said vomit, some said poop, or a word for poop that I probably can't say on this podcast. And that got me thinking, if they see that and I see something that's familiar, what does that mean about the way we see color? And if that's the ugliest color in the world, then what's the prettiest? And can I find that? So After some searching, I found not the prettiest color in the universe, but the most common color in the universe, and it's called Cosmic Latte. In 2001, there was this study done at Johns Hopkins University by these two dudes named Carl Glazebrook and Ivan Baldry. And in 2002, they published a paper declaring that they had found the most common color in the universe. Now, how did they do this? Basically, they measured the spectral range of light from the universe. That's about 200,000 galaxies. Imagine the night sky and even the tiniest, faintest, farthest away little stars. Those count. They contribute to the light in the universe. And light has a color quality, even though we might not think of it that way. But, you know, when we imagine sunlight, we picture it as sort of yellowish. When we imagine starlight or moonlight, we picture it as sort of bluish. So all of these factors contribute to this actual color spectrum that light has. And so Glazebrook and Baldry measured all the light coming from everything and then determined what the average color was, which is hex code FFF8E7 or this sort of warm, beige white. Imagine every wall and carpet of any new modern apartment complex, and you sort of got the idea. And they named it Cosmic Latte. Now, the interesting thing about this is that the quality of light and the color of light in the universe actually changes and shifts over time, because as stars age, They change color, so newer stars are this sort of bluish white, and then when they're middle-aged, like our sun, they're this warmer yellow, and then as they start to die and become red giants, their light, of course, shifts to a more reddish hue. So all of the stars that are born and living and dying in the entire universe are contributing to this really boring beige color. that could actually be different now. So these measurements were taken about 15 years ago, and if we looked at it now, it might be redder, it might be cooler. And even now, some of us might look at Cosmic Latte and say, oh, that's beige. But some of us might see a cooler beige or a warmer beige because in addition to every celestial body in the galaxy contributing to the color of light and how we experience it, our bodies also make a difference. So when I see Cosmic Latte, and you see cosmic latte, we might not be seeing the same thing. Let's talk about how we see color. Now you may remember from elementary or middle school basic science that we all have rods and cones in our eyes that help us see. Rods detect light and dark, and cones detect color. There are three types of cones, S, M, and L, and each of those picks up a different set of wavelengths of light, red, blue, and green, and then feeds that information into the visual cortex of our brain, where our brain processes it and then says, oh, that's red, or that's a bluish yellow, or that's a deep, dark purple. People who don't see the same colors as other people may have a form of color blindness or a color vision problem, which can be caused by a bunch of different factors. There are physical diseases of the eye, such as glaucoma or macular degeneration. There are also genetic anomalies that can be inherited. My dad, for instance, is colorblind, and that could be because he doesn't have one of the cone types, S, M, or L, or maybe one of them doesn't function properly. And colorblindness can be inherited because the L and M cones are carried via the X chromosome, so occasionally defective encoding of one of those types leads to colorblindness, and since it's carried on the X chromosome, that can be passed down from parent to child. There are also non-cone-related causes. Namely, you may have a genetic anomaly that affects how your visual cortex functions. So, while your eye might be fully functioning, the visual cortex in your brain isn't processing the information as it should, and therefore, while your cones are sending information that something is red, your visual cortex may interpret that as brown or blue, Now, all of these anomalies, whether it's the array of cones in your eye and how they function or how your visual cortex processes the information, all of these things are encoded in our DNA, which means that all of us have slight variations because all of us have slight variations in our DNA. That's why I have brown hair and you may have black hair or blonde hair. In the same way that our outward appearance is different, our inward appearance is too. So you may see many colors, but not know that the colors you see are different than the colors that I see, which is really fascinating when you think about it because I can look at a blue marker and the blue that I'm experiencing likely won't be the exact same blue that you're experiencing because we are genetically different. My cones and your cones aren't arrayed exactly the same, and my visual cortex and your visual cortex aren't processing that information exactly the same. And on top of that, what I understand as red and what you understand as red could be very different things. Let's take a break. And for this part, instead of listening to my voice, let's listen to someone else's voice, reading a poem. What is pink? A rose is pink by a fountain's brink. What is red? A poppy's red in its barley bed. What is blue? The sky is blue where the clouds float through. What is white? A swan is white sailing in the light. What is yellow? pears are yellow rich and ripe and mellow what is green the grass is green with small flowers between what is violet clouds are violet in the summer twilight what is orange why an orange just an orange that was beautiful okay back to the show all comes down to is a question that I think is fairly common among college freshmen who are having their first experiments with psychedelics, and that is, is color real? Right now there's an interesting war going on in the philosophy of color, and that's color realism versus color fictionalism. Is color a physical property, or is color conceptual? So color fictionalism and all of the philosophies within it would argue that color isn't real, as in it's not physically attached to the object that holds it. It's an entirely mental construct, so our perception of color is informed by some sort of psychophysiological or neurophysiological activity in our brains that interprets visual information as color animals that can't see color, can't see red, and therefore red is an illusion. That object isn't red. It doesn't have the physical property of red. It's just a thing that our brain is making up, and it resides only in our consciousness. Now, color realism is really interesting because they claim that things have color as a physical property and then it's intrinsic to the thing itself. So a tomato is red, is red, is red, and it's not something that our brains are telling us. There's this really interesting passage from a paper entitled Color Realism and Color Science by Alex Byrne and David Hilbert that I'd like to read to you. If someone with normal color vision looks at a tomato in good light, the tomato will appear to have a distinctive property, a property that strawberries and cherries also appear to have, and which we call red in English. The problem of color realism is posed by the following two questions. First, do objects like tomatoes, strawberries, and radishes really have the distinctive property that they appear to have? Second, what is this property? And then they go on to argue that when you bring a tomato in from the garden and put it on your kitchen counter, the tomato doesn't change color. It's still red. We might see that red slightly differently because of the quality of light outside versus inside, and so our brain is feeding us that type of information that says, well, under this yellow light, the tomato looks yellowish versus outside, it looked more of a bluish tone of red. But that doesn't change that the underlying property of the tomato is red, and therefore red is a physical property and not an illusion that our brains are creating. And that really blows my mind because when you think about something like the most common color in the universe, cosmic latte, does that mean that our universe really is beige or is it just an illusion? Thank you so much for listening to Loose Parts. I hope you enjoyed this journey into color with me, your grateful host, cat hail loose parts is recorded and produced in beautiful chicago illinois where we put a lot of stuff on our hot dogs you can listen to episodes at our website loose.parts or you can subscribe on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash loose parts you can also find us on itunes just search for the podcast loose parts and please feel free to leave a review Let us know how we're doing. It really helps us appear at the top of the list and tells everybody how great you think we are. You can also email us any of your interesting brain thoughts or ideas for future episodes at loosepartspodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Emily Heron, who is incredibly talented and designed the gorgeous logo for this podcast. You can find more of her beautiful work at emilyherondesigns.com. And a huge thank you to Alex Reed, who read this episode's poem entitled Color by Christina Rossetti. And to you, I say, have yourself an awesome day.